0: Heavy Cardboard, episode 31, The Trailer Trifecta. Coming to you from the home of the best damn board game podcast, Denver, Colorado. Welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your host, I'm Edward. This is Tony. So we'll start off how to contact us, because God knows we love hearing from you guys. Twitter at HeavyCardboard, Facebook HeavyCardboard, email we love reading your email contact at HeavyCardboard.com, YouTube heavy Cardboard Vids, website HeavyCardboard.com, and last and certainly not least, our BGG Guild it's number two zero four four. There's lots of chat going on in the guild, y'all should come check it out. Agreed. Finally. Uh Hardy, thank you for the two iTunes reviews that were left for us uh, since the last episode, RWE and Urchid, I think it is. Um, they made my day on the respective days that they were left. So big thank you for the that was that was really cool to read. and it just puts more eyes on the show, which in the end only helps you guys. So thanks a lot for that.
1: Another big thank you as well to Velma and Company at Game Surplus for their wonderful sponsorship of Heavy cardboard. They are definitely terrific folks with an awesome inventory of games. Give them a check. www.gamesurplus.com is their website. You can reach them at games at gamesurplus.com. Tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you.
0: And as always, feel free to email them if you don't see something in stock. Likely they'll be able to hunt it down. So thanks a lot to
1: Amos and Velma. Edward, sir. Yes. I am uh, I'm really looking forward to uh, recording this episode tonight. It's a little bit different. We're doing three games all trailers, no main feature. Was going to be four. It was, but we
0: uh we decided to uh, postpone Triumph and Tragedy one episode. Reason being is we think that it very well may be a feature right. depending on whether or not it gets here on time and right. whether or not you like the game. Yeah, I haven't played it yet. I think it's amazing. Cool. I I So it's either going to be a trailer for next episode or hopefully the, the feature, be the for, feature next, sure. for next episode. So it, like you said, originally it was going to be four. Now it's going to be three trailers.
1: We can start uh, paying off on that. the promise of our intro where we talk about war games. That, that one's kind of a war game, right? It's not, no, it's, it's not quite there. It doesn't have to be a war game. Right. It's, a, it's, it, it's getting towards that. It's a political game
0: first, block war game second. Cool. So there's that. Right on. So, yeah, uh, I guess we should mention, we're recording this on Wednesday. Normally, we record on the Monday before we release on a Thursday. But between my work schedule and the crazy drama going on with with your family and stuff, Whoa. It's, it's been...
1: Makes it sound like I got all kind of nutbags. No, right. no, 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 so not at all. My, my Medical father, stuff. My father-in-law's ill. Yeah, Right, and
0: so just, it's been... <laughs> crazy drama. It, well, no, why... That, that's my sister. Well... <laughs> So it's just, it, it, things have been a bit wonky, I guess is a good way to put it, the last couple of weeks for yeah. us. Um, so yeah, the, so hopefully this, this gets out on time, and it's good. Hope you guys enjoy it. Right on. So how is it September already?
1: Yeah, here you you, dude.
0: Um, this is nuts. It's the fastest year I remember, but I'm worried that now that I'm 40, oh. they're only going to get faster. So tell me. Yeah.
1: You know. I got 10 on you. <laughs> they get faster. <laughs> that sucks.
0: <laughs> um. So, kind of on that whole family drama, but not on your side, on my medical side-wise. Um, I think I've mentioned it before, but Amanda suffers from chronic migraines. And she got her first set of 31 Botox injections uh, last week. Um, they all around her forehead and the base of her neck that's and crazy. all this crazy. Because apparently it really is supposed to work. Well, early returns are that, yeah, it's really working. I mean, yeah, she, would go, cool. she would go... She went from... On average I'd say twenty twenty five headaches and migraines a month to she's had two since she's had that. And they it's knocked the edge off of them. So that's early cool. returns are good and, and hopefully hopefully it's a it's a long term solution for her because man, she's been miserable, especially the last six, seven months or so, it's only gotten worse. So that's that's cool. Right on. Um on a positive note. Well that one was positive too. Well yeah, yeah, yeah. But migraines and all that, but football. Is back tomorrow or today because when this oh. releases, it'll be college football at it's least. It's back next week. All right. Go Ducks in <laughs> the meantime. <laughs> go all right. Broncos. Uh, yeah, I know. You're, you're a college head. Oh, I, I enjoy pro as well. Sure. But yeah, college starts this week, pro next week. So it's just, that just tells me the cooler weather is coming. Yeah. And man, like we've said it before, fall in Colorado is amazing. No, it isn't. Wait. No, we like these people. (laughs) Remember, we want them to come play games with us. Please move here. (laughs) Um, So that Xbox One I mentioned last episode? Yeah. Yeah, still in the box. Haven't gotten to it. That's the box
1: part. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: (laughs) BGG Con game lists and preparations have begun. So I'm really, really excited about that. However,
1: there's
0: one significant, unfortunate piece of news. You want to tell them?
1: My mommy said I can't go. <laughs> Actually, it was my dad. But uh, no, nah, I'm. Yeah, I don't have a ticket. I got hotel reservations and no ticket. I heard tickets might be scarce. Folks are on my ass to go to Little Rock, so I'm going to Little Rock. Hopefully, maybe t-
0: 2016. <laughs> Hopefully, 2016. Both of us will be there. So, um, I, I don't know who's honestly. I don't know who's more bummed about it, me or you. Probably you, but um, it's it's, it's it's yeah. Yeah, I'm bummed, dude. I'm Me really too. genuinely bummed about that. So enough of the, you know, pity party for us. <laughs> pity party. Uh, positive news splatter. They've opened First up pre-orders. They've opened up pre-orders for Food Chain Magazine. Dude, well, I love that box. It, it's gorgeous. Did you Isn't read it? the little text I, at the bottom? Oh, I yeah, did. It's just killer. It's really. Very retro, very just oh, yeah. awesome. So oh, yeah. they did well. Still not a fan of the name, but the artwork looks hey, looks cool. long as I get to be a fan of the game. I hear you. For those that live in the EU and have wanted a copy of Three Kingdoms <clears throat> Redux,
1: yeah, this is great news. our
0: friends over at Starting Player have offered up a group order. Uh, so check the show notes for the link to that. Uh, I've mentioned it on Twitter. But yeah, it'll be in the show notes so take a look at that it's over on bgg something like they have to get a group of at least 100 orders but everybody across the entire eu counts as one order
1: so there's that it's a terrific game we've covered it go back in in the archives november go back in the archives and check it out if you need some convincing
0: yeah it's 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 for me it was the runner-up for game of the year last year fantastic really good so to pay for all the Essen games that we plan on getting, and <laughs> honestly to make room for them, we're having a massive auction of games over on BGG. Uh, we'll also link it in the show notes. Take a look if you're so inclined. There's, I think I counted I have upwards of 40 games I'm putting in. You're um, putting in...
1: I have my list here I'll give you before I leave, and it's probably around 40 or so as well. Okay, so Some, yeah, it's going to be
0: going to be a massive list, so hopefully you guys find something you like. And uh, Big weekend of gaming coming up, Maybe. Uh, yeah, depending on
1: the father-in-law which, thing, this I, just came. I may get up to play today. zero to two days this weekend,
0: right? And I'm planning on doing all four. Unless you need me for something, then thank I, you. Drop it uh, at the drop of a hat. I'll be there. You know that I do. Uh, let's see what else. Preliminary plans are starting to come together for HeavyCon 2016. Yay! And wait. Already seriously, <laughs> uh, I ask again: Where's 2015 gone, man? This has been nuts. As long as it goes. Uh, all right. Last thing. All right. Um, I finally found, thanks to Ryan or his name's Tricky Blue Mage over on Twitter. He's from the Cardboard Republic. He kind of walked me through how to change the settings on our RSS feed so that the description doesn't cut off, so that it gets everything on there when when you guys go and download it and stuff. So if you, if that's not fixed let us know otherwise yay sorry it took so long to figure that out but yeah hopefully that uh people start or stop uh stop complaining to us about that so sorry about that all right sir so have you acquired anything at all since our last episode i have
1: acquired two things okay um a big one and a little one i know what the big one is big i one... don't know what the little one is the little one is uh praetor so uh today before all the medical stuff ha- happened i uh, went to my local lgs just to get out, get out of the office you know it's been a, it's been a hell of a week even though it's been a half of a week right, right. and uh, on their used shelf they had Prador there for 29 bucks in fantastic shape so i'm like all right, the wife said she likes it and would like a copy, so I got her the copy of Praetor. Because you you asked if I had a copy and could you borrow yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Which know, we'll I, talk about it yeah, more here in a I, little bit. But I don't get to watch videos at work. I get to listen to videos while I'm uh, typing and such, and so I was listening to Rado run through it, and I was like, oh, this might be kind of interesting. Borrowed your copy, played it a couple times, really dug it. Cool, I'm, I'm
0: excited because that means it's one less game I have to learn. Yeah, it's fun worker placement. <laughs> cool, Wait, if we get... Gaming in this weekend with you, then maybe yes. maybe get that play. You bet, you cool. bet.
1: We will allow Robin to beat us, <laughs> uh, and that is so true. <laughs> she is a master of a her.
0: certain range of weight of game yeah, that know. she just can't be beat. It's, it's wacky,
1: yeah. Uh, and I got eighteen thirty one, right, which is you know a monster eighteen xx game. It's like for those of you old enough to know what a phone book is, imagine two of them stacked together. That's that's how big the box is. It's massive,
0: so is it kind of like eighteen oe size or a little bit smaller
1: it's than not that? as tall okay, but, but it's, it, wa- it's but bigger it's, right? it's close like that yeah okay. it's giant like that and there's a lot of neat stuff I think um it's to me it looks like it combines some of the uh, trackling is very very important, but it also has some of the financial trickery like something like eighteen seventeen has so that that's what has me interested in there like multiple size companies and and Uh, variable start size on the companies too, preferred stock, common stock, mergers, rail yards as well as stations, so different kinds of trains and hostile takeovers and double track.
0: Yeah, that double track, (laughs) that, like, just look cool, I've never seen that. Me neither. (laughs) So that was,
1: uh, that's cool. Lots of things to try. How about you?
0: Well, uh, one last thing on 1831 is the original printing of that only had 26 copies ever made. Oh, yeah. By the designer. Like, like he,
1: Carl, like, handmade them or something. Yeah, and they were labeled
0: A through Z. Right. Well, uh, an old friend of ours, Chuck, his dad was one of the originar- originators of the Puffin' Billy. Right. He actually has one of those original oh, no 26 way. copies. So that's pretty cool. Wow. I'm excited that's that awesome. they're reprinting this so that the rest of us peons can get copies. It's 250 bucks <laughs> plus free. And by us, it, it I mean It sucks you. to buy that. <laughs> I just hope it's worth it because if it's good then we'll play it. I'm curious Yeah, do you know if it has any like smaller scenarios like OE has you know to where it's not just a once or twice a year event type Um, game or anything? What's
1: crazy is the gameplay is 10 but it's Which is mind-boggling Yeah I don't you know the the write-up says that Really, if you're playing ten, you're gonna. Some people are just investors, really, which
0: kind of is exciting, it but is. might be a little. Hey, they can play another game
1: in between turns. But the game, the game scales. So, like, there's like if you're playing with three players, you, you use these this many companies. You're playing with five, you use this many. Companies. Okay, so All it's right. kind of a scaling aspect built in. Okay, cool. I only stickered enough for five or less. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man, <laughs> that took forever. That's awesome. What have you acquired, buddy? Um...
0: It's funny, when I was going through and doing all my prep for the show, I asked Amanda, I I came out of my office, I was like, hey babe, did we get anything this episode? (laughs) And she's like, no I don't think so, and I was like, ah damn it, yeah there was, it was a math trade. We got our copy of Masters of Venice. Ironically, we actually uh, had matched up with one of our uh, listeners, so uh, thanks a lot Tater for uh, Masters of Venice, it's in good shape.
1: So, thanks. Cool share Appreciate game. it. That's, that's the only thanks. thing I've acquired was the meth trade. It's funny. It. When I was doing my prep, I said to my wife, did I buy anything besides 1831? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I don't think so. Right. So, it's too funny. But, yeah, uh, it's
0: funny. With the yeah. auction stuff, there's so many holes now over here. dude. yeah. I'm so excited. Like, oh, there's room. And Amanda's excited that that shelf over there, that only is super cluttered, will
1: be cleared off in time for the weekend. So, Yay. Yeah, I moved all the auction games to another shelf, man, so it's kind of weird.
0: Yeah, it's, it's nice having room. What are you hunting? you got to fill this room, right? <laughs> well, obviously.
1: <laughs> uh, well,
0: I mean, there's the SN list, yeah, yeah. But honestly, there's really only two things, and both are ordered, but they're not here yet. Um, Churchill? Churchill? And Triumph and Tragedy, both from GMT. And I can't right. remember if I mentioned it last episode or not, but they're honoring the, the pre order. I just Yeah, you do. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so That's those cool. are those are gonna be here. I'm hoping by the weekend so we can maybe get a game of Triumph and Tragedy in, which would be fantastic.
1: Nothing would throw me more in multiple ways.
0: Cool. All right. So how about you? Anything uh um, anticipating, shopping list, etc.?
1: Well, you know, there's most of my wants are waiting for the SN titles and, right. and stuff like that. Uh, Paul Chad, though, sent me an email the other day saying that all the board games will soon be printing 1849 in Sicily, which is supposed to be a very like tight money game, which sounds pretty intriguing. Plus. Okay. My heritage is Sicilian, so... Which explains a whole lot. It really yes, does. Anthony Palmazano was my <laughs> was my real name before, really? my, before my mom remarried and everything. Really? Yeah, Anthony Palmazano. So, uh, Dude, that's like I'm a, Italian I'm a, Italian. I'm a bison, man. <laughs> wow. And, uh, so uh, so I'll, I'll be looking forward to that. Um, number one, because it's in Sicily, and maybe number one because the money's tight, <laughs> and number two because it's in Sicily. Cool. All right. Uh, we've played a lot of games together. Why don't you, you want to run through some games that we've played together and then talk okay. about ones you played without me? Yeah, sure. And then I'll talk about ones I played without you. All right. All right. So,
0: we, uh, obviously, we'll, uh, Forge War, B&O, and The Networks, the three trailers uh, for this episode. Yes. Um, we played those numerous, numerous times. Um, Argent, you and I together only played like a two-player partial, a partial learning game, game, game. to learn.
1: And then I played it last weekend. That's the one I'm jonesing to play this weekend. Huh? Dude. Way better than I anticipated. Yeah, um, it sure that little partial game sure felt good.
0: It, yeah, it really is. Um, there, there, there are some critiques. We're gonna review it. Um, it, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll probably just make this command decision. If we don't do Triumph and Tragedy as a feature next episode, it'll probably be Argent. If we do do Triumph and Tragedy, the following one will probably be Argent. All right, um, really, really good. I hate to admit that I played it but uh Helios oh, yeah. two um, I don't know if I'm okay with you putting
1: that in the auction I really well, uh, I why wh- what would you rate that game on our I, one to six I would rate it a one what do you always say about rating ones
0: burn it with fire
1: <laughs> damn you if you pawn that off on anyone else well it was uh, it was free <laughs> and um, I've played it and uh, it will be in the auction. At a very low price,
0: <laughs> he
1: may pay you to take it. No, I, you know, there's, no, there's people that will like it, and that's that's totally cool. No, the uh, funny
0: thing is, is after we played it, I went and read some of the comments that were left for the game, mm-hmm. and there were people that rate this thing nine and ten, and I'm yeah. like, I just, just, oh my, just no, just it's different strokes for different folks, right? That's all I, I mean. guess, but and I'm not saying it was a one because of the fact that it's not my type of game. It just. Yeah,
1: There was nothing there. There was nothing. For us. Right. For I us. just uh, When, when uh, we played it here, and uh, the wife and I had played it two-player right. a couple and, of times. And
0: then you brought it over right. so uh, the two
1: of you and Amanda and I could play it. In the it. car on the way home, Robin says, that game sucked with four players. <laughs> it was a lot better with two. So maybe, uh, maybe it's a two-player game, maybe in that respect. Uh, no. All
0: right, so the other stuff. Triumph and Tragedy, I played. Uh, hmm. We had Dueling. Triumph and Tragedy games Mm -hmm. over here uh, last Sunday. Uh, Both three player, both were amazingly good. Uh, We'll get into that more in the next episode. Played Trombon again, and I taught Amanda, Mm -hmm. and we both had the same feeling that, you know, if given, if we had our druthers, just play Arboretum. I just, if I didn't have Arboretum, sure, I'd play it, but I have, it just, I was underwhelmed by it because I I much prefer a game like Arboretum to that. And last but not least, uh, Airlines Europe, which I've played a number of times previously, but we played it again as the last game at our game day last weekend. And as we were playing it, I was like, man, this is really an enjoyable game. It is. So we've decided we're going to, in the auction, unload uh, Ticket to Ride. And, yeah. and
1: pick up... Wait, you have Ticket to ride?
0: Well, we had it for kind of whenever we have friends that aren't gamers come <laughs> over to try and introduce them. But we it's talked tough. about Wait, it...
1: Wait, it's not right out in the open, is it? It was,
0: but it's now in the auction okay. pile. Okay. Anyway... We don't want people getting the wrong idea over <laughs> here. <laughs> so we've, we decided we're going to try and get a copy of Airlines Europe with the expansions and everything because we really enjoyed playing that game. And yeah, it's fun. I think that'd be a really cool introduction to... Both the hobby as well as fractional ownership mm-hmm. and that whole deal. And, no, it's so very yeah, cool. it's very really, cool. really enjoyed my play
1: of that. So, after all that,
0: sir, your turn.
1: Well, let's see, we spent uh, a lot of time with the kids last weekend, the following day from our game day, and I <clears throat> got to play uh, Little Devils, Tokaido. And Flower Power. Flower Power is actually a really cool two-player game. My kid and I like it.
0: That, that was the one you were playing uh, when we came over a couple weeks Probably. ago,
1: and Chris just tapped out. He was like, uh, yeah, like, you I, got it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Praetor, of course. And uh, and Patchwork. And Tony KR loaned to me Patchwork, and then he loaned it to you. Have you played it yet? So tell me about Praetor. <laughs> that's my answer
0: no oh okay reality. okay yeah. <laughs> it's been too crazy i'm i'm hoping we can play it friday though. cool
1: cool right on it's uh it's pretty cool It was interesting i've only got the one play of it but
0: like i said the uh, i've said in the past the next time i hear something negative about patchwork will be the yeah. first time my wife said she would buy a copy so cool yeah all right so seriously though about Praetor. okay like give me like in a minute or less give me the gist of it I mean, obviously, I own it, I bought it, I'm interested sure. in it, but sure. to give me your take, is what I'm saying. Uh,
1: Nutshell would be, it's a worker placement game, where you build these buildings, right, that are just tiles in the center that form a board, and that's where people place their workers, and it's a one worker per place spot, right? So there's blockage, and your workers are, are dice, but you don't roll the dice. They're God just, forbid. No, no, thank you. Um, they're just one through six, is there... Uh, ability their strength so certain things you do with a worker will increase their strength so if i send a two to the gold mines i'm coming back with two gold and a three strength worker for example oh he's been working out absolutely absolutely buffing up and so you're getting a bunch of resources and try to convert them to build the buildings or or build hadrian's wall Um, when your workers hit six they retire and the whole time workers including retired workers uh, cost you money every round for upkeep. They, and they get a pension. It was uh, it was uh, pretty cool. It, it um, Yeah, surprised me. So cool. I'm anxious for you to try and see if you like it. Rock on, man. Huh? All right. We were
0: fortunate to get a review copy from Isaac Childress and Cephalofair Games of the 2015 release, Forge War.
1: Yes, and uh, Edward, when, when you first asked me about reviewing Forge War, I... Thought you were out of your mind, man. Yeah, I know. You, you, you. I texted you, and I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna touch base with Isaac about this." And you were like, "Wait, what? What?" I like the the title of the game just like invokes these thoughts of and impressions of Ameritrash or American thematic games, and I am I just imagine like ridiculous little dwarf and goblin miniatures and rolling polyhedral dice with weird symbols on them and crap like that but like don't don't let the name fool you this this is a euro game with a thematic name i believe
0: i'm still waiting for an apology that you would think that i would i I would i would contact a publisher about a game like that
1: for us to review on the show really come on man well it's kind of the thing i'd let my agent handle normally but since i don't have one i apologize all right thank you that's all i'm saying all right i will not doubt your heavy cardboardness again all right Carry on, sir. All right, Forge War is a two-to-four player game that has several modes of play. The basic game might take 60 to 90 minutes, player count varying. And the epic game could take maybe like three hours, maybe longer even. Just uh, just depends on your group, really, and what's going on. So in the game, we're going to talk about just a high level of the gameplay here. It's a resource acquisition with a resource conversion slash recipe filling game. That also has what I just categorize as upkeep costs at the end of every round. But the upkeeps are, are, are clever in this. It's not just, hey, feed your guys or right. whatever. Feed right, feed and eat right. or whatever. Exactly. Uh, in the game, you're going to acquire minerals and gems to forge fantastic weapons for your adventurers to use in increasingly demanding quests. The game is broken down into a number of phases... In um, each round, we'll have the same phases. So there's the mining phase, which is almost like a mini game in itself. It is,
0: and I, I, from what I've heard, this is like the most divi- divisive part of the game because it's it's so different than the rest of the game. But tell folks about
1: it. To me, it's it's a re-rendering and improvement, frankly, on the main mechanic of "Hey, that's my fish."
0: That's that's an interesting take. I hadn't thought of that,
1: but I'll be honest. It kind of makes sense. In the way that you move your overseers from that beginning hex and stuff, but um, this adds another layer on top of that with the workers that actually do the mining. So uh, that was very cool. And divisive, whatever. I thought that was a neat part of the game. No, I I enjoyed it. Uh, When you move one of your overseers in the mines, uh, they can move in a straight line, and the mine is made up of hexagons that represent the different uh, resources that you can mine. There's copper, iron... Uh, Myth roll. Myth roll, right. Um, Then there's rubies and diamonds and emeralds. So your miners and your overseers are doing that. Every opposing player's miner that your overseer crosses over or jumps over when he's moving is converted to one of your miners. Also, you get a miner of your own color in the hex that your overseer began on. And then each of those newly placed or converted workers, miners is going to give you one resource of the type of the hex that that person is on. But here's a cool, cool twist. When your overseer jumps an existing miner of your own color, he switches sides and goes to the player that might have the fewest number of miners in the game. And so by virtue of your move, and it might be advantageous for you to go ahead and do that, even though that person's going to get some resource, because you're going to get more than that, potentially. Those resources are what you need to forge the weapons. So they're really, really important. Now, the next phase is the market phase, where you have one, count them, one worker (laughs) to uh, choose a market action with. So choose carefully. Some of the market actions are one person only, so it's first-come, 1st serve worker placement blockage. Some of the market actions can support as many players as want to go there.
0: And there are a lot of different spots in which you can go, and with only one worker, as, as usual in most games... There's going to be, you know, hey, this one time, could I just place four workers?
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Paul Chad. Right. Let's see. The actions will, they include various things like buying a recipe to forge weapons. The weapons are represented on cards that cost you money to basically acquire the knowledge of how to build that, that weapon. Because it's going to be a unique weapon that only you can build. And it also shows you what resources you need to build that weapon and what its uh, power value is later on in the quest. Other things are are just uh, like market cards and rule breakers and bonuses, one-time bonuses, recurring bonuses, hire new adventurers, etc. After the market, everyone's going to hit the quest phase. You can buy a quest, which is a card, for zero to two gold pieces. When you buy a quest, this is where you're going to really kind of do the lion's share of your brain work here. You're going to buy a quest and you're going to look at that quest and see how many levels or legs, they call them, this quest might have and how much they increase in challenge. And you'll look at the weapons and their power and the number of adventurers you have and the level of those adventurers because some of those really awesome weapons require a higher level worker to be able to wield them. Which makes sense. Absolutely. And so when when you acquire a quest, at that point... You go into the management of quests, they call it, and you assign some of your adventurers and, your, and the weapons, you forge the weapons right then and there, and, and send them off on the quest to hopefully get you victory points and various things. Nice. During this management phase also, if you have existing quests going on, hopefully you've you're putting more things into those quests, more adventurism, weapons to to succeed against the higher challenge. Each leg will give you. Think of them almost like
0: having to face lieutenants and bosses in video games. How you, yeah. how a dungeon might increase in level, and you finally reach the end of the dungeon, and now I got to face the boss. So it's going to you know require higher level, et cetera, right. et cetera.
1: And if you do complete a, a quest successfully, all your adventurers get to level up. I thought that was pretty thematic as well, when that can happen. That, that's essentially the, the nutshell of the rules. The game has several modes of play, as we mentioned. There's a basic game, there's epic game. So basically you can play 7 rounds, 12 rounds, or 18 rounds, depending on just how, how much time you want to spend around the table. And as the game advances through the different phases, to, um, through the different rounds... It gets harder, right? The weapons get cooler, the quests get tougher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So there's some pressure on you to keep gathering adventurers and getting money and all the and resources to keep up with the game's uh, challenge.
0: All right, so that's kind of the the overview of the game. So right. now we're going to go into you know the things we like, things we didn't like, and then after that we'll hit on a little bit on the basic game and the epic variant. So yeah, things, uh, yeah. Sounds all right. good. So, start off component quality and and the
1: rule book, okay. What did you think? Uh, I was the one that read the rule book and taught the game, and I thought the rule book was was quite good, really. It was laid out well. It was clear about what's in the epic game, what's not, and I really didn't have any problems setting it up and playing a few rounds to try to figure out what was going on
0: okay. The one time that I actually got into the rule book was while we were playing, uh, for reference wise, and all our questions were answered in there, which is always a good sign.
1: Yeah. What do you feel about the component quality? Megan, there is a ton of yeah, crap there, in that box. There is
0: a lot in that box. And I I'll say it's decent. Um, I wouldn't call it excellent, but then again, to keep the price reasonable, there had to be some kind of balance Mm -hmm. in there, I imagine. This was, I believe, originally a Kickstarter game, um, so I don't know how that played into it. But to be honest with you, my biggest, I guess, critique of the components was I would have liked to have seen a thicker core on the cards themselves because they're a little... Yeah, not not warp, but you know how they kinda of bow a little. Yeah, they do. Um and I'm a big fan of linen finish on cards. Sure, sure. Uh so I would've liked to have seen that. But otherwise, overall I think the, the component quality itself was cool. Although I gotta ask, what's up with those micro cubes, Matt? Dude.
1: Yeah. I agree with you say about the about the component quality. I do feel that the publisher really did do an excellent job balancing the quantity and quality of the stuff in the box so that it didn't cost a you know, million dollars. Sure, but yeah, it could have cost another extra dollar and have slightly bigger. Those quest tracking cubes are like three sixteenths tops. They are each. yeah, like um. Tony KR, he said they were too small to even be considered a choking hazard. They're the smallest
0: cubes anybody's <laughs> ever seen. And they use them for the quest tracking on the card. So I understand why they did it. But, yeah. Yeah. dude, I mean, I'm 6'2", 240. I have big hands. Those little tiny cubes? Yeah, I don't know about that. I will say I love the overseer slash slave driver meeples and their yeah. mustaches and whips He's got that like are a- on there. Who's that? Uh... A Fu Manchu. Or... Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what it is. What yeah, it is. It... Snidely Whiplash, kind of a
0: mustache there. Yeah. Um. So I I gotta be honest. I love the artwork on the board and the weapon cards, and some of the quests.
1: Okay. Yeah. Some um, of the quests look a little muddy, but whatever. There's a lot, man. They had to. I wonder what the artwork cost on that.
0: You're being gracious when you say muddy. <laughs> okay. The rest of the quest cards, other than the ones that I really like. Let's just say it's not my style. I went so far as to look and see who the artist of the game was to see if maybe oh, yeah. Isaac did his own work to maybe save some money. Right, right. Um, Mrs. Isaac. But sadly, it's not the case. It's just it's okay.
1: it's yeah. Cool. The the quests are definitely uh many and varied though. Uh,
0: absolutely they are. There's in every time a quest came out, we would take a look at what the quest description was, you know, the name of the yeah, quest, in yeah. the artwork. Because some of them were really, I mean, there were multiple artists in this. And some of them were really cool. Uh, just, you know, aesthetically, I'm saying. The artwork itself. Others, not so much. But it was cool to see the
1: plethora of different things that you could send your adventurers on. I think two things about those quests. One is, that's what generates the planning that's required in the game. Because it's kind of like a, let's see, if I get that quest, I'll need to forge this weapon, maybe better get some mithril before I need it, and I better level up an adventurer, because, you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and that generates the the planning involved in the game. And the other thing was, as we mentioned when we are talking about just the generic gameplay, is that the, those adventurers can level up from one to four through training, through an action selection in the market phase, or through successful uh, quests. And I, I just felt that was... Those two things worked well together.
0: As a as a fan of video game RPGs, games like Skyrim, Oblivion, stuff like that, or whatever, I really enjoy uh, the idea of leveling up your dudes mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. So I I appreciated that. And on that note, uh, in the Epic variant, uh, there's a way when they hit level four to oh, yeah. to give them the titles. titles. And it kind of, they're like individual rule breakers, but it's a way to individualize your, you know, and specialize yeah. your adventurers.
1: I thought that was cool too.
0: So the initial uh, starting resources are done via draft. And I thought it was perfect and ideal it, way to kick the game off. Like at that's, least, it
1: just I think might be just in the uh, fast forward epic that we played. That one time. Well no, even, even you when can you can draft the other ones. Right. So even yeah. when you get the four, you choose two, so it's well, kind of an yeah, individual yeah. draft. But in, in that it, fast forward epic, it's just a bigger draft. And that was fun. It was exquisitely done, I yeah. thought. I, I think that was one of the
0: very highest strengths of the game was the way they handled that epic. But we'll we'll yeah, get there in a minute. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh I didn't feel like we at least I didn't manage our money very well. When we were playing the we, yeah we were I
0: do believe that there
1: are ways to do it I, I but guess. we
0: we failed miserably because the everything was
1: almost almost without fail was too expensive for us to buy yeah the game seemed very austere and maybe too much may I I don't know if it I don't know if it was us or the game or whatever but it was kind of you know mocking me it was like we were at the poverty level the whole game, and the game, here's this awesome and, weapon. Look right, at it. The, the game keeps levying these taxes and teasing us, right? Like so here's this, you know, triple goblin cleaver with, you know, oh yeah, it's eleven bucks. You can't afford it, <laughs> so right? That just just wasn't fun. And in the game, you're not building an engine either. So it's not like really things are getting better. You can have some they call them savvy cards from the marketplace to help you along, but you're really not. Building an engine in this game to help you overcome the higher and higher cost of things. I do think part of where we made a mistake
0: was we weren't, fo- we didn't realize how austere things would be. And so I feel like we didn't uh, focus on income generating quests early enough, as Perhaps well so. as make as good a use of the market as far as selling extra resources that we got. Although we did, because you only get one sell action unless you have one of those market stalls that allows well, a second do one or something. Um, so there there are ways to manipulate it, but man, you mm-hmm. really got to plan that out if you are planning on investing a lot of money into the market. To so, go back onto that mining phase, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought it was a cool take on resource acquisition. Uh, instead of going to spot X and you know gaining Y resources or whatever. You have to actively plan for future steps on what you want and ne- uh, what you want and need to mine for. I thought it was a fantastic part. Some people don't like it, I guess. Mm. It's abstract, but it I is. really I I appreciate the fact that it's just a new. I don't know if it's new, but a different take on how to
1: gain resources in a euro. It is part of not building an engine, and you can never really count on. What you're gonna get outside for resources outside of where your a spot where your overseer right. is gonna be, and I did find it interesting, but maybe just more fun than interesting. And I guess overall it was the most interesting part of the game for me.
0: I think that and the uh, the fast forward part of the
1: epic I would agree with those two things. So so player interaction, a lot of people are gonna be curious about that. Uh, I think except for in the mining. That's all there is. Like when you're jumping over someone else's worker. That's about it, you know.
0: Yeah, there's the there's the the cool mechanic of Being able to mine twice if you were first in in turn order, uh, which then sends you to the back of the line, which means you're going to be last for the market phase and the quest phase. So you have to decide whether or not taking that risk isn't, you know, to go last, maybe somebody's going to snake that quest you need or the only one that you're going to be able to do right now, et cetera, et cetera. So at least, you know, there's, there were some interesting aspects of it, but Yeah, I think that's where the positives end, and now we go on to the other side of things.
1: Yeah, regarding the quest, for example. For me, uh, I mentioned they really do drive the planning and they drive your action, but there's really very little excitement, if any, to doing that. I feel like I'm just perfunctorily placing stockpile stuff against the quest, like I'm doing a math equation, and I found um, a quote from... A a casual guy that I think really kind of nailed it for me. He says, and I really I can't approve upon this. The quest management phase makes you feel like a mid-level human resources manager at Quest HQ, <laughs> and you aren't going on the quest yourself. You're really picking the personnel and matching them and their equipment to the quest they go on. That's, you know,
0: I I think yeah. that's that's pretty fitting, and that kind of that kind of rolls into one of my. I, I have three things here. All right, sure. Um, so. The first is I felt that there was kind of a missed opportunity to build a connection with your adventurers. They're nameless and generic. It it's impossible to craft any kind of attachment to them. We mentioned that they can get a title once they reach level 4, but even then it's just hey, my guy can now do this, you know, and it's one of four. They're just nameless, soulless tools, you know, and I feel like there could have been some kind of connection so. done up there. So you were talking about outfitting them, right? Because you have to forge equip them, right? Forge, hence the name Forge War. Right? You have to forge the weapons and then send them out on these quests. I got to be honest, I actively disliked the lack of knowing at a glance what level weapon each of my adventures had and not only what level, but what weapon to begin with. Having to often look over at my weapon plans and the community plans and try and remember, wait, does this one have
1: this one or this and this? Let's see, three iron and a and a ruby. Okay, what fits that right? And
0: so it just, I felt like it was, it was clunky at best and unenjoyable at worst to try and track that. Like there should have been a, a just better way to do that and the last thing and this is probably the the biggest indictment for the game mm-hmm. for me is the game just didn't advance and add anything other than more of the same yeah there was advancement only in a sense that things got harder but they didn't change in what you were doing they didn't get more interesting outside of the difficulty and the cooler weapons round 10 no different than round one
1: right and or, I, or round eighteen is not different. There's just no emergent gameplay no. whatsoever. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I've kind of thought it was not exciting, a little boring. All right, so let's talk about the base game real quick. All right, I I have just only have one thing to say about the base game. Same, same here. Go ahead. Um, it's a good teacher. You know, after after like three rounds, I knew what I needed to know. I didn't need to play seven. Right, and that's we a, did. That's
0: exactly <laughs> what I said. Is it, I, I would have been happy with it being like a two-round tutorial right. that leads straight into the Epic there, from there. There you go. Um, so it, it's a good tutorial, but too long uh, as it is. Right. So going into the Epic game, we played the Fast Forward Epic, which uh, you said it's 12 rounds instead of 18, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The draft of the cards at the beginning of the Fast Forward Epic, fantastic. Yeah, was well Honestly, I think that... If there's a way for other games to implement that, I think that's this is a model yeah. for a way to do it. That was like, very well done. Yeah, it, it, it took a third of the game and turned it in like that, and all of a sudden, okay, your guys are upgraded and you're you're ready to take on the
1: the, the bigger adventure. I would play Forge War, the resource drafting game. I just I felt like the Epic game was just a longer version of the basic, more game. more of the really. same. Just, yeah, yeah, too
0: long. And just rinse yeah. and repeat, yeah. right? It
1: just, just didn't strike a chord with me at all. I uh, yeah, and in, and in spite of, I mean, I can see and appreciate some of the cool features of it. Just the execution did not work with me. I think everybody that played that would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul, Chad,
0: Amanda, it, we're like, we're there were some cool things there, but it just, it just didn't all come together for any of us. So uh, summary. All right. So I appreciate the effort to blend Euro mechanics with a Ameritrash theme into a kind of a Eurotrash game, and I, and I mean that in a good way, but I really feel like it ended up being an opportunity lost on what could have been a really cool thematic game that brings both sides of the hobby together. There are definitely some interesting aspects, but in the end, it just just fell flat
1: for me. You? Well, uh, as a longtime fantasy role player back in the high school years and a little bit beyond, I really, really wanted this game to be a winner for for me personally. And as I was reading the rules, I I felt like, man, am I, do I have this holy grail in my hand here? This planning heavy, luckless Euro economic dungeon adventure. And as with so many games, actual gameplay canon does differ on the table from what it seems like in your head. You know, while you're reading the rules, and this game did that for me it didn't it did not it was not that holy grail i was hoping it would be from the rules now this game is going to be definitely considered heavy for a lot of people i believe because because of the increasing demand of the quests and the planning needed to keep them going and the austerity of the game uh in providing both resources and actions it will be heavy for some folks it wasn't really you know heavy for us and the things just didn't come together enough in an interesting enough manner the game kind of feels like a tweener it wants to Look and act like a Euro game and taste like a thematic game, perhaps. And I think that's definitely hard to pull off successfully, and this game's a valiant attempt at that, and I, I'm sure there's an audience for this game. It didn't win in place in my collection. Undoubtedly, a labor of love, and artists know that works are perceived differently by the masses, and I heartily applaud Isaac in his efforts and thank him for the opportunity to play his game.
0: Yeah, definitely. We appreciate it, but in the end, it just... Not every not every game is going to fit every player. That's so
1: true. there you are. Do you have a rating on our one to six scale?
0: Yeah, I I think I, I we played it enough to where I feel comfortable. Um, I'm going to give it a three on a one to six. Same. So uh, to give context to that, it's it's a little bit below average. Mm-hmm. It's it has some cool stuff and and some things we enjoyed, but in the end, not for us.
1: Right on. Concur. A three as well. That's Forge War. You know what, I would really enjoy a TV show named Chainmail Bikini Warrior. (laughs) And if you play the networks, there is such a TV show, is that not right?
0: There absolutely is. So we're going to talk the networks. Designed by Gil Hova of Formal Ferret Games. It's supposed to be published in 2016. It's currently on Kickstarter. It It started yesterday. Uh, they're already halfway to their $25,000 funding goal and there's still almost a full month to go. The cost, it's $35 during the Kickstarter. Uh, that's really good. It play I think so. It plays 1 to 5, plays in 45 to say 75 minutes depending on player count and experience. So Gil reached out to us and asked us if we would review, if we would be interested and we said sure, we'll we'll give it a a, a look and I'll be honest, it it was a pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. So, what's happening in the networks? The networks is a card game where the players are TV network executives that have to develop shows of different genres, hire stars for those shows, and finally, acquire advertising to further help round out your show lineup. Based on those shows, actors, and commercials, players will get various amounts of viewers, which count as victory points, as well as money to help pay for everything. On top of that, you have to make sure the that you, ha- you have to hire the right actors for the shows that you plan on acquiring, or at least hope to acquire, right. as well as place the shows in their ideal time slot to maximize viewership. Whomever is the best at juggling all those things and does the best job as a network executive after five seasons will win the game. So what's cool about the game? First off, it's a fun theme and it's really well implemented. Uh, we had a near-final prototype, so not all the graphics were there, but the components were really solid. Uh, I felt the rules were quite clear, even if mm-hmm. they weren't in their final form. And the player aids on the player boards were, were useful and easy to use. So, kind of going with that fun theme, game has a lot of laughs. Lots of laughs. Uh, Gil obviously had fun with the show names. Uh, some of my personal favorites. Okay, Fire. Since folks know I'm a big fan of cooking and such, cooking for your gerbil. Nice. I used uh, to have a gerbil. Uh, grilling with milk. <laughs> uh, those are great, but also don't forget Let's Pickle. Let's Pickle. I and, had that one. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the biannual county bubble wrap popping
1: tournament. Nice. Good stuff. Well, as mentioned, I like bikini Chain oh, chainmail bikini warrior. Well, who doesn't? At least liked, at least the first season was first good. first season was good. I liked uh, get to know your colon <laughs> <laughs> Monday night foosball. But you know the actor names are pretty cool too. Like uh, they don't really put a name on them; they just summarize the actor. So kind of like a broad yeah, generalization. Like always dies in everything or seductive foreign star. You know, so I, I, I yeah we we chuckled a lot when we were playing. We did. Uh, So I thought
0: it had pretty quick, pretty smooth gameplay. You Mm -hmm. could tell that there was an emphasis on Mm playtesting on this because everything just flowed and hummed along. Very little downtime.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, One of the things I really thought was neat about the mechanics of the game are the, the time slot things that you mentioned. Yeah. But at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and 10 o'clock, time slots to fill. And you can put any show in any time slot, but certain shows are better at certain time slots. And that affects the the viewership you're going to get. And I just thought that was a pretty neat little mechanic. It kind of folds into the way, and you alluded to it when you're talking about the rules, like putting the right actors on the right shows. Some actors are better on sports shows than they are on reality TV right, and all that. I like how
0: shows degrade over time. Yeah, like they they may get an initial strong showing, and it's possible that even in season two, they get even better, a little bump, right? But after that, they start tapering off, and viewership decreases, and so it causes you to have to always be on the lookout for you know the latest greatest shows for those respective time slots, because you're always trying to try and match up. The show with the time slot.
1: Yeah, and, and the and the viewership that results, that's the scoring. And so, you know, looking at the genre, the lifespan of the show, the cost of uh, acquiring and developing the show, as well as the requirements that might be appropriate for an actor and or an advertisement, those things are all important factors in the viewership and the time slot. And, and again, the cards just work nicely together.
0: They do. So speaking of the cards... There's lots going on, even in the base game. Uh, like, our, our first play, mm-hmm. uh, played just the base game, and we didn't even touch on the advanced cards. Right. So, I mean, it's going to be good, you know, given it's a light-medium weight for the game. So it's going to be kind of a good mix between good for those new to the hobby, but also an enjoyable romp for experienced gamers with the
1: advanced uh, cards. Sure, and there's also some interactive play cards if you want to add a little like take that action. Hey, I'm gonna steal that actor. Exactly. I
0: I, I actually had a, a light dusting of screwage when it comes <laughs> light dusting <laughs> uh, when it comes to turn order and the priority of acquiring shows and the actors and all cool. that. I dig that um, passing. When you pass and you can do it at any point. Sure. Um, I forget the actual phrase. For the end of the term, yeah, drop and something, but drop in budget is something like that. So what it is is if you're the first one to pass, the good news is you're going to get a larger budget for the following season. So that's great. However, a you're limiting the actions that you took this round because maybe you didn't do as much as you could. You just wanted to make sure that you passed because you were desperate for money, but also the other players can continue taking actions as long as they have the money and wherewithal to do so. So you don't want to pass too early and give one or two players all those free network cards, all the, you know, rule breakers and end game scoring bonuses and all that stuff. So it's kind of a fine line you have to juggle between when do I pass, I really need that money, wait, I don't think anyone else is going to, maybe I can, you know, stall one more round and take one more action and then pass and hopefully it doesn't come back and bite me in the tush
1: i do like that there is a little economy to build with your tv company developing shows hiring actors winning the advertisements that all costs money and you need to keep a little positive cash flow going or you're going to have to basically sit on worn out shows that are dropping in viewership and it's just not going to score you as many points as as the other players are, because some of those actors have a retainer cost with them. Yeah, and you, you know you, you got to pay your bills, right? So there's, the 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 little economy I thought was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, for for the weight of the game, right? I got to be honest. There's there's more meat here than I expected, uh, and that's a good thing. There's there's a healthy amount of meaningful decisions in the game.
1: Okay. Sure.
0: I mean, yeah, I didn't expect it to be
1: um, Arkwright. Sure. <laughs> know, no, that, no, you know. obviously. <laughs> yeah. But
0: it's it. there's more to it than I thought. I thought it'd be a little fluffier, I guess, than yeah. it is. I,
1: I would say, uh, really, like, I, I was definitely pleasantly surprised by the game. I figured it would be a much lighter game than it actually was. That, that's all I'm saying, right. So I got
0: three little things here, uh, kind of okay. niggly things sure. here. Uh, The first is, there were a couple of small rules ambiguities, but I expect those will get clarified in the final rulebook. But on that note, even so, it seemed intuitive. Like, oh wait, this makes sense, we'll play it this way. So I'm sure that'll all get hammered out. Uh, For the most part, multiplayer solitaire. Um, So I understand uh, why this game could scale well from 1 to 5 for the simple fact that you're pretty much just focused on you. You you are able to look around the board and maybe you pass a little bit earlier to try and steal the show from somebody, something like that. But outside of that, not a ton of interaction, I don't think. No, true. Uh, and the last thing is the artwork totally fits the theme. And I enjoy it, but it might not be to everybody's liking. What well, we've seen the artwork. Sure. Yeah. I mean, looking at the Kickstarter yeah. page when yeah. I was doing my prep and stuff, I was
1: like, okay, yeah. So there was uh, questions from the guild about the networks that we don't feel we addressed directly um, just now while we're talking about the game. So question number one was, does the networks bring something new to the table, and what is it? I said no, not really,
0: but unlike some other games that we've reviewed, it flows well, and it just kind of feels good. It feels right. Uh, it's an enjoyable game when you're looking
1: for something lighter than our normal fare. Yeah. I I said does it have to i mean it's it's fun to play and not every game has to innovate something i think that's a that's fair how will the networks play with two do you feel there's replayability multiple paths etc or will it get seamy well from everything i've read uh it plays
0: great both solo and and two-player which like i said with that multiplayer solitaire that that makes total sense
1: rotto has got a video now so you can check out that for two-player
0: okay um And I do feel that there's enough variety with the advanced cards that you're going to get your money's worth of plays out of the $35 price tag for it. I think it's totally fair pricing for what you get with the game and the amount of plays the game will provide. At least that's my take on it. Cool. So as far as summary. Yes, sir. uh, You're doing this so much better than I am lately. I'm going to go first. Okay. (laughs) Okay. so the networks may have a veneer of a fun, lighthearted game with little substance, but you, you'd be missing out on what ends up being a very solid, entertaining, engine-building game. The game skews late for us, and frankly for our listeners, but that doesn't make it less of a game. If you're looking for some lighter fun with a backbone and fantastic dad puns,
1: you can feel good about spending an hour of your table time with it. Right on. Let's see, my summary would be that the networks creates an environment that's simultaneously silly and businesslike. The names of the TV shows, the actors, the commercials provide many creativity-acknowledging chuckles and bad pun-inspired groans. Wonderful puns, thank you. (laughs) However, there is some serious business taking place as you manage your little TV network. You have to maintain your company's economy, create a profitable business that's attracting recurring viewership in the theme of the game. With the shows that you develop, maintain, and eventually cancel as their popularity wanes. You need to keep that recycling. I think Gil's game is smart, well-designed, and it sneaks in a challenging game under the cover of humor. Big thanks to Gil for the opportunity to play his game. Rock on. Rating. On our 1-6 to six scale, I, I think that, um, like you mentioned, the game is probably light and lighthearted for a lot of heavy cardboarders. Um, but I do think it's worth considering, like, maybe you want to... Casual group wants to take it up a notch. Yeah, and, uh, I, I think that's that's a pretty good take, and for that reason and and the funness of the gameplay and everything, I I, I put a four on it.
0: I, I did as well. I think it's 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 enjoyable, and it's something that I'm going to consider backing. I'm not, I'm not going to say that flat out. I'm going to get a copy for mm-hmm. sure, um, but I'm going to give it a, a legitimate you know thought on whether or not I'm going to. Right on. Um, so yeah, that's that's the networks. Time to take a look at the 2009 Winsome release by
1: Eddie Robbins or er, John Bohr, Baltimore, and Ohio. Right on, Baltimore, and Ohio. Yes, a 2009 Winsome release, reprinted by Eagle Griffin Games in 2010, is a three to six player game, where the box says 120 plus minutes, and it. Is definitely true about the plus. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. <laughs> the game will be plus. Uh, what's happening in this game is it's it's really a lot like an eighteen XX game in that you are founding and capitalizing railroad companies that create a network of tracks and operate trains for revenues. The players, as investors, operate those companies in accordance with who owns the most stock in a given corporation. The president. The president makes all of the decisions for the company. Where to lay track when to buy trains, when to pay dividends to shareholders, etc. The game is going to run from tech level 1 to tech level 6, and this tech level represents the efficiency of the trains that are available, as well as how much track can be laid by the company, and some other things, too, about how many railroads can occupy a city or service a city and things like that. This also abstractly measures the passage of the decades as the game progresses. The game is segmented into one stock round and two operating rounds. Oh, they call them market rounds and business rounds, but they're really ORs and SRs. And stock rounds, right, yeah. So in a stock round, players are going to buy and sell stock and found new companies. And the ownership of a company could change during this time as well. In the operating rounds, companies are going to build track, buy trains, run trains, sell trains... And the revenue is either going to be held in the company to build future tracks and buy trains, etc., or going to be paid out to the shareholders in accordance with their ownership percentage. Often, holding the revenue will depress your stock value, while paying the revenues will cause your stock value to increase. And one of the uh, neat things about that mechanism is a lot of times that up or down price in your stock value is dependent upon whether or not your company made more net revenue it is this operating around than the previous? I think that's Which a, is unique. I, that's I, account, I
0: think that's a winsome thing. It must be. Because uh, I, I haven't encountered that in an 18XX up to this point.
1: So, using cubes as track, the companies connect various cities to their network, and the cities are worth a varying amount of income to the company. And this income can fluctuate as the decades or tech level rolls by, and it's natural that some cities are going to decrease in importance as well as others will increase. Which is historically accurate. Absolutely. At the end of the game, your cash on hand and the value of your investment portfolio is your score. The wealthiest player is the winner. B&O in a nutshell. Let's talk about uh, some of the things we enjoy about B&O. Number one for me is what we just talked about. like Part of the mechanic that determines if your company's stock price is going to go up or down. Depends not just on whether or not you're paying dividends or withholding, but also that your company made more net revenue this round than last round. I really think that's, that's fantastic. And I'd love to see, if there are there any 18xx games that have that mechanic in them? And if not, I wonder if it's a viable thing. Maybe, because that, that earning pressure is a real force in this game, I think. Absolutely. Um, to piggyback on that and kind of
0: to go hand-in-hand hand with that is Trains Don't Rust. But they do become a drag on your company and can end up costing you more than they actually make in income. That's their pressure. And so you can sell them. But the question is, do I sell them or are they making me – are they more viable to me in the company or out of the company? And that's where that whole net profit is going to come in is, am I making more with this train or not? If I'm not, then it's time to – they don't rust, but time to – you know, sell them for parts nonetheless.
1: Yeah, and, and as the technology level increases, the maintenance goes up and up and up. And also, as the technology level increases, even though the trains of the next level cost more than the trains of the previous level, each train within a level cost a little bit less than the one before it. So if the first train was 200 bucks, the next train might be 190 and then 185 right, There's little, little increments and in, downward increments in the price of the trains. I think that's kind of reflective of how things get incrementally less expensive as technology, you know, moves on and becomes adopted.
0: Well, think about—I'm
1: trying to build my own computer,
0: and as hardware, you know, it gets older, it becomes cheaper. That makes sense. On that note, in a lot of 18XX games, the last non-permanent trains kind of called the poison pill, and this eliminates that in a sense that. It incentivizes players to constantly be looking to improve their technology and not fear the last train of a certain level because it's so much cheaper than the first train was, etc.
1: And that's also a tool to push the game and cause some maintenance costs to rise, i.e. rot the trains, not rust the trains on on your opponents by, okay, it's a little less to buy this one, I'm going to buy it, and then maybe I can buy the next one as well and put some pressure on my opponents.
0: There's asymmetric companies and yeah. the the main thing is the number of cubes or the number of track tiles or their cubes right.
1: uh to lay out there and certain companies are only going to be so big. Right.
0: And it's I mean there's one that I think has 5 cubes. Yeah. And that's it and some have, you know, upwards of 18, 20, whatever. Right, right. So, I I dig
1: a asymmetry. Yeah. And and this has it in spades. Even those little ones could be good earners. This game has capitalism in it. There's no cert limits or <laughs> ownership limits. I mean <laughs> no communism. I mean, no right? communism right. here. Uh yeah. If you can earn all ten shares of something, great. Might not be the best thing though. Might not. But that's my decision to make.
0: Because there's no incentive to anybody else help you
1: build that. Sure. Don't let or, me get it all. Right. <laughs> I think that um, this is potentially a fantastic 18xx training game for a game that isn't an 18xx game. It's It does have the track laying and the tokening abstracted, so it takes a lot of nitty-gritty out of what you're trying to teach newbies. It takes a lot of the fiddliness, kind yeah. of. Yeah. It's got all of the stock ownership stuff of, um, of basic 18xx games. It's got some sensible stock market mechanics, that someone can grasp, and that's a great uh, gateway into the stock market mechanics of other games that may be uh, crazier or, or cooler. It's got a training-level train rush. Frankly, the rules are, are simple, and it provides, the I feel, anyway, a, a deep learning environment that's not just a kiddie pool. I'll buy that. I, I I didn't have
0: it as eloquent as you did, but that was my last point on the positives. Okay. Uh,
1: As far as... What what don't you enjoy?
0: Well, I will say one thing that, at least for me personally, and I think pretty much all of us felt this way about it, is for those who enjoy 18xx games, for what this game provides, I'd rather just play an 18xx game. Agreed. If the game played in, say, half the time that it does, then it would fill a niche. But as it is, I'd rather just play an 18xx game. Yeah. But that's coming from 18xx game players as right. opposed to coming at it from the other direction. Which, if you haven't played one, in that case, then yeah, I think this would be fa- Then it's not a negative. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I, I think the length is can go a little long for being so close to an 18xx without being an 18xx. And that 18xxers may just want to play an 18xx game. Right. Um, but I do I do think the length because it's long can contribute to the learning, you know, the patience testing of people that think they're interested in 18XX games.
0: Uh, yeah, it, it like you said, it has a lot of the aspects yeah. of an 18XX. They're present without a lot of the fiddliness. So some questions from the guild uh, that we haven't been touched on yet. Yes, sir. Uh, that our guild members have asked. So here we go. If you hadn't played an 18XX. Would you feel differently about Baltimore and Ohio? I think I would. I said absolutely. Understand that when I say it plays too long, that's only with our background of 18xx games. If you look at it in a vacuum, it's perfectly acceptable in what it provides within the playtime, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would just rather play eight hours of 18xx than four hours of BMO.
0: Or four hours of 18xx instead of four hours of BMO. Sure.
1: So... How long are the plays of B&O, and have you guys tried the expansions?
0: Uh,
1: 45 minutes a player, give or
0: take a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I agree with that. And uh, no, I, I have not played yeah. any of the expansions. I have the expansions. I have not played with them. Okay. Uh, if you were going to rank something like 18xx, B&O, Steam,
1: Winsome Games, where would B&O fall? I would go 18xx, various Winsome Games... B and O, I'd leave steam off the list, and uh, I'd probably put Age of Steam in there somewhere, probably in with those Winsomes. It's Winsome.
0: right? I I'm pretty much the exact same. I'd say 18XX, then probably some of the Winsomes, right. and Age of Steam, right? Some of the and then the rest of the Winsom, and then B and O probably at the back of the line. Yeah, but again, that's coming from our background of having played
1: numerous 18xx games now
0: it would be higher on our list if we hadn't right yeah i I think that's coming through
1: as self-proclaimed auction fans how does b&o stack up against winsome games that you've played that have auctions
0: uh probably middle of the pack at best uh irish gauge southern rails trans-siberian all would be higher on my list as well as the actual 18XX games like 1879, uh, all those would be higher than BNO. Mm-hmm. Although the one thing that I really, really, really like about BNO is something that we've already touched on, which is the way the the main driving force to increase your the value of your of your stock is by not only paying out dividends but increasing the net yeah. gain every operating route, or. In order to be able to increase your
1: your revenues, I said that um, I don't think B and O has to stack up against auction games because it's not an auction game. It's a stock, you know. Yeah, t- no, you know, it's yeah. not an auction game. It's a totally different game. So I I don't I don't get the the auction game thing there. But in my twisted idea of the pantheon of winsome games that I've played, I like those auction games more than I like B&O, right? Like you mentioned, Myer's Gage, KP, etc. cetera. Right. So.
0: Ah, Kansas Pacific, I forgot about that. Yeah. Not Southern uh, Rail, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Kansas Pacific, yeah. right.
1: So, uh, summary and rating for B&O, you or me?
0: Oh, you're going to want to go first on this one. You don't want to follow me.
1: Oh, my. All right, uh, B&O, I think, is about as close to playing an 18xx game you're going to get without playing an 18xx game. Maybe I should have gone first. (laughs) It's got the strong flavor of the depth and the current of 18xx titles without some of the details that many noobs might consider fiddly about 18xx games. And it provides a thoughtful experience that, in my opinion, is chock full of surges and lulls in the pace of the game as the players struggle to increase company revenues Improve their stock prices, keep their companies capitalized, and keep up with the train push, or push them yourself, and invest in the right mix of stocks to win the game. Although I'd rather play a full-fledged 18XX game than I would B&O, this game still has a place in my collection as a serious teaching instrument for those that feel they want to explore the 18XX space. My rating's a four. I think it's a very, very good and challenging game whose majority value for me is a teaching instrument. I would give it a five if I wasn't an 18xx junkie. Okay, cool. You, sir.
0: For this not being an 18xx game, this is as close as I've played to one without it being one. b while it's its own animal with the way the value of companies increase, among other things, shares enough similarities to 18xx to be used as an enjoyable, interesting teaching tool for those looking to get into 18xx games. That's not to say that it doesn't stand on its own, it does however if you've already sampled the wares that the 18xx mistress offers you very well may find yourself having wished you'd just gone ahead and gone down that street instead wow mistress i have it as a four uh i recommend it however i would probably rate it a three (laughs) if you're an 18xx veteran
1: interesting uh, let me ask you this. Let okay. me throw a, a random question at you. Okay. I have not played Poseidon. Poseidon is often couched as a 18xx training game. Poseidon or b and But keep in mind, I really dislike Poseidon.
0: I <laughs> yeah. really in, d- did not enjoy it. Because I was told this is an 18xx game. Right. And so I went into it thinking that. And I'm sure it's a fine game if you if you had a different mindset than i had with it gotcha um but personally this has a lot more of the feel of an 18xx as well as the terminology right right uh then poseidon so if i were to recommend one or the other specifically if i had to choose one of those two it'd be b o far and away
1: cool that's baltimore and ohio All right, so uh, we had a few stray guild questions that didn't really pertain to the games we were talking about tonight. Herding cats and all that. (laughs) So we want to cover those on the way out of tonight's episode. So um, let me ask you first, sir. All right. Which publisher should we keep an eye on? And by publisher, you mean plural. Plural. So here we go. I mean, publishers. There the, are the obvious. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! The author said publisher. I think it was misprinted. I don't think so. There are obvious. I think it means singular. Hush! Will you let me answer?
0: <laughs> there are obvious ones: Splatter, GMT, Spielworks. But then there's What's Your Game and Mercury Games. Both have a solid track record and seem to be doing really good things. When any of the above mentioned companies release a game, I'm at least going to take a look into it. Sure. So I yeah, for me the the non obvious would be maybe what's your game and Mercury Games.
1: All of them, I said. <laughs> I'm just I'm publisher agnostic, as I've said before. It's the game, not the publisher, is what I'm interested in keeping an eye on or whatever. See,
0: and I think there are certain publishers that I just a hundred percent discount, no matter what,
1: out of hand. Like I have yeah, no Days of Wonder, in. right? You know, sure. So that's but, all that's all he's asking. But uh, yeah, I agree. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm publisher agnostic. Okay, fair enough. What do you think is vital for board game storage, and which game annoys you the most to store? This was a fun question. Uh, So,
0: (laughs) vital for board game storage. I'll I'll answer this one first. You answer the other one first. Okay. Two things. Space and great shelves. When we bought our house, we turned our formal dining room into our game library. I mean, who uses formal dining rooms anymore? Anyway... We replaced the chandelier with five can lights and four LED spotlights, and it's wonderful in here. And as far as shelves, we have a full wall and a half wall of Ikea Expedits, and they're awesome. Yep. I think that's what you use as well, right? Yes, yes, it is. Um, they've since been replaced at Ikea uh, from Expedite to Calyx, but they're essentially the same thing. Uh, just, from what I've heard, they're, they're equally good, and I cool. cannot recommend them enough for board game storage definitely shelving is
1: what i wrote down as well
0: okay cool so for the second part which game annoys you the most to store
1: well amerigo by Steffen Feld, uh because it's big it sticks it's out of huge. the shelf right. and um it's really not good enough of a game to keep around but my wife insists on making me keep it because she likes it
0: Do you also have Shogun, or what's the other... Yeah, Shogun. uh, Okay.
1: Uh, And Wallenstein. Yeah, that one. Uh, Yeah, and I have Shogun, and it's big, but that's not a pain in the butt to store, because it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Amerigo is pain in the butt to store and not fun.
0: Right. I enjoyed it the first time I played it, and then Diminishing Returns. I enjoyed it less the second, and after the third, I'm like, yeah, I'm all set, thanks. Agreed. As far as me, I came into the game library... And looked around in here. At first, I looked at the splatter games, and I'm like, nah, they're splatters. They're fine, even though they stick out of the shelf. <laughs> However, I have one Civ game that sticks out, unlike all the others. Mari Nostrum. Yeah. It just it's like it hits the wall, and it still sticks it's out. It's like, like an two inch, too inch. Too yeah. yeah And it just annoys the hell out of me. One other that I at least mentioned, even though I don't store it on the shelf... The Theta games. Oh, Lord, yeah. Saturn and Fire. These are obnoxiously large square boxes mm-hmm. that won't fit anywhere. Even yeah. if I put it with the coffin boxes, they stick out too far. Yeah. First world problems. And before you ask, no, I'm not willing to get rid of them to get rid of the problem. I'll, <laughs> I'll deal with it. I promise. <laughs> right on. So, next question. Love the podcast. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yep, uh, yep. Thank you. You all thinking of a winter invitational so we can ski all ga- all day and game all night? I said thanks. And uh, Heavy Con once a year is is, is good enough. We're all set. Uh, maybe post-retirement.
1: We'll talk then. How's that? Right on. I don't like to ski. My knees don't like to ski.
0: I, I enjoy snowboarding. I don't ski, but yeah. I enjoy snowboarding.
1: I'll just stay in the lodge and drink. Drink, right. And then game. Rock on. Sounds or both. So there were a number of other
0: uh, Triumph and Tragedy questions that we're going to postpone yes, until next episode. Some good ones, too. Uh, there were. Uh, except there was one specific one. Uh, pertaining to Triumph and Tragedy from right. German Mike. Yes. He says, what day will we play this at BGGCon? <laughs> and I said, I'm unsure which day, but I assure you, we will play this there. Right on.
1: Okay, good sir. On the way out of here, why don't you uh, remind people how to contact Heavy Cardboard, please?
0: Hit us up on Twitter. We love hearing from you guys, at Heavy Cardboard. Or email us, that works too, contact at heavycardboard.com. Our website heavycardboard.com, dot com, Facebook heavy cardboard. Last but not least, BGG Guild number two zero four four. Come join us. We have almost four hundred people. We'd love to have about four hundred more. Sure, we'll <laughs> go with that.
1: Four thousand more. Right, that'd be better. There you go. The cool thing is, the conversation is ninety percent started, at least ninety percent started by membership, not by us.
0: Yeah, which is nice because yeah, it, awesome. it, it wasn't like that at the beginning, but right. now it is. So, and I assure you, we read everything that's posted in there, even if we don't always comment on it.
1: Yeah, I don't always feel a need to comment back on comments from the re- the episode because, I mean, you know, we've, we've covered stopped. it. Right. Unless people have other questions. Right, then right sure, right, yeah. Right, yeah but my, yeah, we're active opinion, in there your as opinion. well. It's yeah. awesome. So, uh, the sponsorship of Heavy Cardboard is once again by Game. Surplus. We encourage you guys to check out their website at www.gamesurplus.com. Drop Velma an email, games at gamesurplus.com. Tell them Heavy Cardboard sent you. They can definitely find uh, games for you if there's something that's not in their inventory. And they have an amazing inventory as well, and they're fantastic folks.
0: So next episode, we will catch you all either with Triumph and Tragedy or Argent the Consortium. Or all of the above. I'm hoping it's Triumph and Tragedy, and then Argent the next time, because that means Tony enjoyed it and we get to play it lots. So, right yay. All right, we'll catch y'all in a couple of weeks. See ya. Happy football season.